Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. We're really thrilled to have CFACT be a sponsor of the podcast, and you can learn more about them at www.cfact.org. Today's episode is going to be an interesting one. I want to comment on the two presidential candidates and where they stand on sportsmen's issues or the greater conservation issues stemming from wildlife, environmental hunting, fishing, shooting sports. I'm largely drawing my observations today from the two Sportsman Coalition pages, but I'm also going to run through Joe Biden's past voting habits, where he stands, and contrast that with President Trump's accomplishments on this front, and help you guys kind of see the differences between the two. Are sportsmen and women going to be riding with Biden or continue to make America great again with President Trump. In recent weeks, both the Trump and Biden campaigns have released their Sportsman Coalition Group pages or made them public. This isn't a new concept, by the way. Political candidates have been doing this for many years, but its recent release, I would say, is very interesting. My goal today isn't to coax you guys into voting one way or another. I simply just want to help you deduce and assess the records and stances of both candidates for you, my fellow hunters, anglers, and shooting sports enthusiasts to decide for yourself, or if you weren't aware of where the candidates stood on these different issues or their past records, I hope you could take away something new from this for material that has flown under the radar because the news cycle tends to not cover these issues. And Lord knows many things have been flying under the radar, and laudable sportsmen and women victories sadly have been ignored in the process. Some caveats going into today's conversation. I want to make it clear, while I am a conservative Republican, I'm very cognizant of the fact that sportsmen and women are not politically monolithic. That is certainly true with people I've met working in the industry and other newsmakers that are coming about on this issue, but you have to be kind of cognizant that the community at large does tend to be more center-right, and they do tend to vote for Republicans. And I suspect perhaps it'll be the case for this year's election, too. As my friend Travis Thompson, host of Cast and Blast Florida podcast and past guest on the show, recently put it, he was saying that uh, these issues really shouldn't be partisan, but sometimes the public policy debate surrounding the issues can descend into such. This can cause a lot of divide in the sportsman's community over support for candidates. Also, A second issue I want to point out going into this explanation, sportsmen and women aren't single issue voters. I've made this case before in the 2018 midterm elections as well. If you scroll back some episodes, you'll be able to find that episode. And I don't think these issues on the outright are going to compel voters to vote one way or another. Although I think the gun issue largely will, and I'll talk more about that and the rise of gun ownership and Uh, kind of gun control being a dead on arrival issue going forward, given all what's transpiring. Uh, 
And third, I don't really think either nominee is what you call a sportsman. Uh, Biden has claimed in the past that he is a gun owner, claiming that he owns a 12 gauge and 20 gauge shotgun. Uh, But his advice, past advice, I should say, on handling firearms has been questionable at best. I think you guys remember uh, some of the statements he said. And while not a sportsman, however, I would say President Trump has the ear of his son, Donald Trump Jr., an avid hunter and angler on these different issues. So it's really interesting to see, you know, these two candidates who don't really partake in these activities themselves. I've seen Biden sportsman group claim that he is a hunter. I have Googled like crazy in recent days in preparation for this. I haven't seen any indication of that. I understand he's voted for wildlife issues and to expand hunting and fishing access in the past when he was in the Senate, but I haven't seen any evidence pointing me to him being an avid sportsman. If you can point to that and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd be more than happy to hear the case, but I haven't seen any evidence of that. But anyway, um, although both of them are kind of largely removed, uh, Biden worked in an administration where a lot of sportsmen and women felt alienated. It can be argued that uh, hunters and anglers feel like their voice is being heard, although on the environmental front, some feel like the administration is causing destruction. I'm going to use the next however many minutes I'll dedicate to this to kind of debunk notions, like I said, assess both of their records for you so you get an understanding as to where they stand on sportsmen and true conservation issues. If you look through the coalition members, you notice on Trump's coalition page, you see kind of more regular uh, hunters and anglers, some prominent hunters and anglers, especially some hunters like Christy Titus, Jana Waller, and others, you see few politicians listed. And when you contrast that with Biden's page, however, uh, you see some former natural resources and wildlife officers, people who worked in uh, the DNRs, uh, but no one that really sticks out. Look at the choice of lawmakers, and a lot of names really jump out at me as people who are not sportsmen. They may, like I say, vote for expanding access, being for Uh, wildlife conservation and management. But when it comes to gun issues, they are far from being sportsmen. They usually support gun control policies and they tend to oppose, let's say ESA modernization and other types of hunting that a lot of people in the sportsman community actually support. And I see my Senator and my Congressman Tim Kaine and Don Beyer respectively. And it's, I I don't know how you could call them sportsmen. Don Beyer accused uh, people who attended Lobby Day of being neo-Nazis. And I'm going to link for you guys to see that. So some of the people, the politicians listed on Biden's sportsman page are questionable at best. Uh, like I said, they may be more environmentalist and vote for conservation issues, but I'll let you guys decide and see if they're truly representative of sportsmen's issue. And I'm reading this verbatim from the website. Biden's sportsman page says this. Joe Biden has a bold plan to restore America's public lands, water, and wildlife that will both protect our outdoor heritage and create more than 3 million good jobs. He will increase wildlife populations across our country and restore and conserve 30% of America's lands and water by 2030. He will ensure that we leave America's public lands and wildlife habitat in better shape than we found them and bolster community resilience to fires, hurricanes, floods, and droughts. And Joe Biden will achieve all of this through collaborative conservation that assures that 
local voices, not special interests, are driving decision-making about our shared natural resource. Now, that sounds innocent and harmless and noble. I think most of us can agree with a lot of those premises. But I want to really point out one contentious problem, two things actually, before I read his six policy proposal. Now, I have had two episodes dedicated to California bill, Assembly Bill AB 3030, and I have critiqued at length the point of conserving 30% of America's lands and water by this arbitrary deadline 2030. My past guests, the two wonderful gals from Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation and Jeff Angers from the Center for Sport Fishing Policy have both argued that there is mounting bipartisan opposition to this because while it may have amiable goals in conservation, so to speak, on the surface, when you dig through the language of that talking point, which is reaffirmed in page 56 of the DNC platform, where it says Democrats will protect wildlife habitats and biodiversity, slow extinction rates, and grow America's natural carbon sinks by conserving 30% of our lands and waters by 2030. This bill was even just defeated in California. And while it has this veneer of being for conservation, it'll actually lock out participation by the public to go recreational fishing. And when it comes to land, likely to to take them out of the equation for accessing hunting and fishing opportunities. Setting aside land, they become untouchable, inaccessible, and in the hands of preservationist interests. So I don't know how Biden can claim that he is pro-public lands when this plan to conserve and actually shut out participation by the public on 30% of lands and waters uh, is to be adopted and pursued. That is not a pro-public lands or pro-public waters position. That's why you see a lot of bipartisan opposition to something like this. And that should really stick out at you. Go back to the two episodes that I mentioned to learn more about it. It's not just Republicans calling out this position. This is even Democrat or bipartisan organizations calling out this. And when he talked about uh, forests, I tried to glance through, I did a Google search. I tried to look at his Biden's uh, website to see if I could find anything. And I found nothing. It was just limited mentioning of forests under the climate plan banner and environmental banner. And I found nothing concrete, especially in wake of the wildfire. I looked into his position on forestry and found nothing concrete or in support of forest management. It's just a little casual, like feel good things. No mention of whether or not he would support and encourage logging timber, uh, the clearing of brush, uh, and to ensure that the fires that have been happening all across the West coast don't persist and become a common occurrence due to a lot of excess brush and a lot of fuel uh, that's available and that causes these fires to be more intense and and problematic. I'm going to assess some of the pillars on Biden's sportsman page, and then I'm going to briefly tackle whether or not Trump has failed sportsmen and sportswomen. Joe Biden has a plan for America's public lands, waters, and wildlife. The first point says, common sense gun ownership. Protect the rights of law-abiding Americans to purchase and use firearms for hunting and self-defense. Under the Biden administration, there will be a strong partnership with Americans who believe in protecting the right of firearms ownership and the lives of innocent citizens. Now, if you pull up Biden's tab on gun safety, you're going to see that a lot of his proposals are not common sense. They're actually nonsensical. I hate to be point blank about that, but they're pretty nonsensical. 
He has said that he wants to hold gun manufacturers accountable for the crimes of criminals. He supports undoing the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. He wants to get so-called weapons of war off of our streets. And he believes that AR-15s are assault weapons and that high-capacity magazines. He also says he wants to ban the manufacture and sale of assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Now, what an assault weapon is... It's pretty obscure and not clear, but he has said he wants to tap former Congressman Beto O'Rourke to ban AR-15s. So that's all you need. He wants to regulate the possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. Um, if you guys know, it's very difficult to obtain fully assault weapons. This is redundant. He supports a buyback of assault weapons and high-capacity magazines already in our community. The government wasn't responsible for sales of firearms or magazines. So there's essentially no point of a buyback. They, they shouldn't be responsible for that. And, that. and that's a very misguided point. He wants background checks on all gun sales. Anytime you have to buy a gun, you have to go through an FFL dealer. And he wants to end the online sale of firearms and ammunitions. This is pretty dangerous, especially with the fact that more people are buying firearms and ammo online and in person. And actually with the shortage we have right now, that's how most people are trying to seek out and find if things are available. He wants to impose extreme risk protection orders, a red flag law. He wants to give states incentives to set up gun licensing programs. We don't need that. Uh, you shouldn't have to have a license to own a gun that runs counter to the second amendment and to many previous Supreme court cases on guns. Uh, we already have a pretty strong background check system. It's just a matter of enforcement. And you can read through what he wants to do there. But all of his proposals on firearms are very nonsensical. He says that uh, the Second Amendment is about hunting. That is a misnomer. Hunting is not protected in the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is about protecting yourself from any threat of tyranny, domestic or otherwise. During a 2013 appearance on MSNBC, here's something Biden said quite disparagingly about gun owners, people who have air 15s and whatnot. He said, there is a whole new sort of group of individuals who now, I don't know what the numbers are that never hunt at all. Biden said, but they are, they own guns for one of two reasons, self-protection or they, they just feel of that air 15 at the range. They like the way it feels. And then apparently Biden imitated holding weapon and added, you know, it's like driving a Ferrari. Do you know what I mean? My impression is there's not, the same sort of cultural norm about gun ownership with a lot of people who are now buying guns. He added, recalling a dinner he attended in Delaware sponsored by the White Neck Hunting Club. The hunters he met there, Biden explained, were, quote, responsible gun owners who wanted to pass restrictions on assault rifles. They are embarrassed with this notion that somehow these guys are being doing something that is inappropriate by owning guns, Biden insists. Also in Field and Stream, in a February 2013 interview, Biden was asked a question about how does the administration plan to address the fact that over 4 million Air 15 style rifles have been legally sold and purchased and are routinely used by sportsmen, hunters, and others for everyday legal activity? Can you explain the administration's legal rationale for believing that these semi-automatic rifles can be regulated through Congress and now through an amendment to the Constitution? And Biden says something to the effect of the answer is that there is a clear argument within the definition of the Supreme Court laid out that a particular weapon is not a usual weapon in the sense that you need it for your self-protection or for hunting purposes. If you go up to the Poconos and go bear hunting or deer hunting with that weapon and you need a clip that has 30 rounds in it, then you shouldn't be hunting. You're a danger to yourself. If you can't get the bear or the deer in four or five shots, you got a problem. And so there is a looming debate uh, as more... Uh, 
rifle, sophisticated rifles like AR-15 are being used in hunting. Like I had mentioned before, I have gone hunting with an AR-15 or actually an AR-10 for pigs. And AR-15s are very common for predator control. Uh, there's a lot of ease with which you can use an AR-15 to go shooting. It's not because you need 30 rounds to kill an animal. That's a really boneheaded statement from Biden. Uh, people for target shooting, when they're doing AR-15 shooting, they like to have more rounds so that they can practice. But everyone and their mother knows that when you're hunting, you're not going to use f- more than a few rounds to get your intended target. But also this stems into kind of a greater debate point that there are some people who like to lecture about how you should hunt what type of gun you should own and this is going to be permeating on the other side you could say on on uh, in biden's campaign you kind of see this in some sportsman circles lecturing what is the best what you should do because it's it's better for the public but people have to choose how to hunt and shoot guns on their own accord if they're law-abiding of course so i don't like that And I don't think many people listening will like hearing the fact that time and time again, Joe Biden has lectured to people how they should protect themselves, how they should purchase firearms. So that's what you have to consider. The next point, he says he wants to conserve and restore wildlife habitat. Biden will lead on the ground habitat restoration and resilience efforts to improve the health of America's forests, wetlands, grasslands, shrublands, coastal ecosystems while reclaiming land degraded by abandoned mines and orphaned wells. He will grow the outdoor economy in every state and create jobs through a 21st century civilian conservation corps. Now, I've heard some people talk about the latter point about a civilian conservation corps. Actually, the newly passed Great American Outdoors Act, which Trump signed into law and championed. Um, creates 100,000 jobs through the National Park Service and the outdoor economy. And President Trump is actually doing this. This is pretty redundant, and I'm not surprised because Biden has largely copied a lot of what Trump is doing and claiming it as his own. But um, Trump's administration is already leading on this. And you guys can check out the show notes to see how. Another point, restoring the Great Lakes, Everglades, and water bodies across America. Joe Biden will lead on a historic effort to accelerate the restoration and improve the resilience of the great waters of America. Where Donald Trump proposed slashing funding, Biden will expand the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and accelerate the restoration of the Everglades and water bodies across America. Now, I have to dispute this, and here's why. So on the program regarding the Great Lakes, uh, initially Trump's budget uh, had excluded it, but it was reported that earlier this year that uh, his budget proposal uh, would be the first to recommend fully funding a federal program protecting the Great Lakes. And he proposed uh, his budget proposal in the amount of four point eight trillion dollars for the f- 2021 fiscal year included uh, three hundred twenty million for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. So that that's a point debunked. He may have not been on board it, but eventually he came around to it. And last week, President Trump went to Jupiter, Florida to talk about Everglades restoration. He has actually encouraged the Army Corps of Engineers to help send water south. I have a few friends that were in attendance at that event last week, and a lot of Floridians are very happy with what uh, Governor DeSantis and also what President Trump has done on this front. So again, Biden is suggesting that he has ownership on this issue, but given Uh, The appropriating of this Great Lakes Restoration Fund, 
by Trump and also uh, what he's doing on the Everglades. I don't see how that's a departure from what Trump is doing. The next issue, improving access to places to hunt and fish. Biden will direct the departments of interior and agriculture to partner with states, municipalities and landowners to unlock at least half of the inaccessible federal lands by 2025 by allocating portions of the land and water conservation fund to expand public access. There's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that Trump has actually already expanded hunting and fishing access. If you just look at what his Department of Interior has done, 4 million acres have been opened to new hunting and fishing opportunities and national hatcheries as well through the leadership of David Bernhardt and also director Aurelia Skipwith. So no administration has opened up the amount of lands that President Trump has opened up his administration has opened up land and water conservation fund under the great American outdoors act will be permanently funded by what Congress passed and what Trump signed into law. Uh, Trump is already doing this at record speed. This is very redundant. And I think sportsmen will see through this. The next point is recovering America's fish and wildlife. Biden will restore the full diversity of America's fish and wildlife populations by leading an unprecedented collaborative effort to restore native habitat, reconnect wildlife corridors, improve fish passage, eradicate wildlife diseases like CWD, and stop invasive species like carp. Again, go to the Department of Interior website, look at what is already being deliberated in Congress regarding CWD. Uh, the Department of Interior is working to address the wildlife corridor issue. They are working actively to address CWD, and they have been, like in other administrations, working to stop invasive carp. So, for those who are not following closely, this may seem like a departure from what the Trump administration is doing, but I can assure you it's not. You just look at past accomplishments and you can see that for yourself. Now, the sixth point before I weigh into whether or not Trump has lost the confidence of sportsmen and women, keeping public lands in public hands. Public lands will never be sold wholesale or transferred under Joe Biden's watch. He will restore our public lands to ensure they are conserved for the enjoyment of all Americans, not special interests, unlike President Trump. Biden will only appoint leaders who are committed to keeping public lands public. This talking point is often tossed around, and I do see some of my friends on the left who are sportsmen pushing this and accusing Republicans of not supporting this, but I haven't seen any wholesale transfer of public lands to private interests yet. Uh, you can see that through the Great American Outdoors Act. That is basically one of the largest public lands bills passed in 50 years. Uh, you got most members of the Senate and the House of Representatives across both party lines, overwhelmingly supporting both versions of the GAOA. So that goes to show that public lands will never be sold. Also, like I had hearkened to earlier, this idea that you would set aside 30% of lands for so-called conservation yet take out people from the equation to access it. That is an anti-public land measure, arguably, why would you have a preservationist policy say that you're going to be conserving this and that people can't enjoy it? That defeats the purpose of access. And that's often what happens when uh, preservationist Democrats are dictating matters of public policy. They say something is conservation minded, but it's actually preservationist and it takes out people from the equation, prevents them from accessing land. And if you remember, right as the Obama Biden administration exited in December, they had last minute orders to uh, section off a million acres of land in Utah to be national monument designations. And that angered a lot of people in Utah. I know that spurred a lot of conversation. 
in sportsman circles about whether or not you can do that. Actually, the Antiquities Act, which oversees national monument designations and national park designations, says that actually presidents can undo and section off uh, public lands. And I, like I said, I'm going to talk more about that. But there's a double-edged sword principle to national monument designations. In states like Arizona, such designations have actually made it increasingly difficult for anglers and hunters to access such lands. It leaves them unable to access prime hunting and fishing lands. And a lot of organizations like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and others have argued that there is a dubious consequence to some of these designations at time that they can be very dubious and actually against the interests of sportsmen. So, uh, Trump hasn't sold any public lands to my knowledge and you're not going to see that also on Biden sportsman page is the suggestion that Trump has failed sportsmen and sportswomen. Trump administration has been consistent on its attacks against our public lands, waters, and wildlife. They say that his rollbacks, rules changes, and budget cuts jeopardize endangered species, public lands, waters, climate change, and air quality, while favoring some of America's dirtiest industries. So they say that um, Trump's reforms to the National Environmental Policy Act and modernizing the Endangered Species Act are against sportsmen's interests. Although from the sportsmen I've talked to, many are very happy to see both of these uh, proposals and NEPA reforms take place. And they're claiming that Trump has slushed funds for national park species protection and the EPA. Actually, like I said, the Great American Outdoors Act fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund and helps address the backlog of the National Park Service. So you can easily dispute that. Uh, Then, believe it or not, this is very laughable. I don't care what political persuasion you are. Uh, This page claims that Trump caters to the demands of the elite, ignores the needs of regular sportsmen and women. Is is this really serious? If you look to what he's done, uh, sending and moving the Bureau of Land Management out west is not an elitist move. Actually, keeping that agency here is pretty elitist because those people are only accountable to DC bureaucrats. They're not accountable to the people they represent since 99% of public lands are out West, West of the Mississippi. So they say that Trump bends over backwards to cater the demands of his elite club, regular everyday hunters and anglers rely on clean waters, air, healthy public lands and wildlife population to enjoy the outdoors. Trump has spent his time and effort to ensure that elephant hunters could bring trophies back to America, but completely ignore chronic wasting disease that is destroying our local herds. He is not protecting elitists. If anything, the regular Joes and the regular Jills who go hunting and fishing feel a lot more represented. So I find that point to be laughable. They're taking issue with Trump supposedly gutting the endangered species act. Uh, the changes that came through the ESA are about critical habitat designation and ensuring that future threatened or endangered species listings are not based upon, uh, future risks that they're based on, uh, case by case basis. And it shouldn't be that you shouldn't be blanket statement, putting protections on animals if they don't have the same threats wielded on them. So a lot of people are actually very happy in the sportsman community that the ESA is being modernized, that certain aspects about critical habitat designations and the process by which you designate and categorize endangered species or threatened species is actually more streamlined. And he's saying that Trump has ignored the spread of CWD. I've heard from the inside of Department of Interior that that's not the case. And so you can read through all this for yourself and decide whether or not um, their public policy positions are there. But I have tried to counter it uh, because I think it's easier to compare and contrast. 
on this front and sportsmen and women. Also, if you look at the endorsements for Biden, you see that he has the backing of very virulent anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment groups like Every Town for Gun Safety and the Brady Group. And he also has the backing of the Sierra Club, the Natural Resources Defense Council. Uh, he has a 76% approval or backing with Greenpeace, according to 2020 records. Defenders of Wildlife Action Fund, which is very anti-hunting, uh, gave him a 90, 91% approval rating from 2005 to 2006. So you can see which interests are elitist, anti-sportsmen, an anti-Second Amendment for yourself as well. But th that's what you should be aware of. But I want to briefly highlight some of Trump's other accomplishments on the conservation front for you guys today as well. Like I said, one of his hallmark things that he can claim to if Biden questions him on, he got the Great American Outdoors Act passed, which, like I said, offers permanent funding of the Land and Water Conservation Fund and helps address the backlog facing the National Park Service and other interior-related lands. Something also to be cognizant of, he also has, like I said, addressed Everglades restoration. He is uh, making sure that certain agencies are more responsive to people. He moved the Bureau of Land Management out west. He implemented export control reform. He signed into law the Target Practice and Marksmanship Training Act, and he has fixed NICS, which Biden says he wants to do too. Like I'd mentioned, he opened 4 million acres of public land under U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service lands and national fisheries habitats that the previous administration didn't open. He had also rolled back the last-minute order from former Fish and Wildlife Director Dan Ash that banned lead ammunition and tackle on U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service lands. He's also done, like I said, NEPA modernization, forestry reforms. He's made sure that puddles are not navigable bodies of water through uh, WOTUS reforms. Also, with respect to recreational fishing, President Trump signed the Modern Fish Act into law. In addition to Congress passing and President Trump signing the Modern Fish Act into law, I came across a really interesting article, and I think I've cited this in the past at the Resurgent, but I want you guys to uh, read this or to hear me out on this. Um, the article reads Under Trump, recreational anglers feel tide turning in their favor on red snapper. And if you remember from the past administration, they had closed off a lot of red snapper seasons. A lot of recreational anglers felt like their voice was lost in the conversation. They were taken out of the equation. They were restricted from offering their opinion. Snapper season was reduced to one to three day seasons in various different states due to these councils and who was propped up on these councils. So recreational anglers, including those who chase after red snapper, were particularly optimistic about this because uh, the past administration was more preservationist when it came to recreational angling. And they see that uh, some of the restrictions that were loosened in federal waters in the Southeastern United States was much better. Who do you think is better for conservation? I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay tuned for another episode this week. Tomorrow I'm also going to be briefly listing out some news you may have missed from DC and other corners of the world as it relates to public policy there's a lot of updates that i haven't covered that i want to get to briefly and explain the importance of them 
And this week, I'm going to be recording two exclusive interviews with some other opinion makers in the environmental, forestry, and wildlife conservation space. So stay tuned for that. You will learn who those guests are very soon. And I think you're going to like what they have to say. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss an announcement or a guest. And let us know how you feel about the content if you'd like to see more of this. Follow us on your preferred platform. We are very heavily pushing Apple Podcast listenership. That's because 60% of my listeners, it, it teeters back and forth between it, but a good chunk of my listeners come from Apple Podcasts. And I started to notice that we're actually getting a lot of listeners from Stitcher and Overcast, which is awesome because that was not happening before. So thank you guys for listening across different platforms. I hope you like the content. Let me know what you'd like to see. If you want these public policy discussions to be taking place, I'm more than happy to lend this platform to such. But thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week and stay tuned for tomorrow's episode on some public policy news you may have missed.